Welcome back, everyone, to another Slab Stocks YouTube live show. I'm your host, Aaron, joined here by Nate, our, our other co-host. And we got a lot of questions to cover again today. Nate, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited for another great show. Clearly, I'm excited, too. Already yawning. Already yawning. <laughs> wow. What is it? It's 5 o'clock here Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time every single Monday is when we do this YouTube live show. If you guys look in the description of this video, there's a form submission for next week's YouTube live that you can submit questions through for next week's live uh, because we already got all the questions for this week's live. However, if you're alive in the audience, we love all the engagement you guys show every week. Um, please comment in there if you guys want to discuss any topics we're talking about or any other topics you might have to talk about between collectors. It helps us get a lot of questions answered and a lot of you guys in here discussing sports cards, which is what we want to do. And we really appreciate that. If you guys hit that like button and subscribe, it helps out our channel immensely. And without further ado, we will jump into this week's YouTube live presentation because every week we make a presentation. Oop, there goes Nate. Oh, oh, there we go. Hey, there oh. we go. Third time's a charm. Hey, que pasa, chicas? <laughs> Which is what? What's up, girls? Yeah, what's up, girls? What's up, girls? <laughs> what's up, Michael Brown? <laughs> How's it going? What's up, Zach Jacobs? Hello, hey, everyone. I would be by far the ugliest girl ever created in my entire in the history of the world if I was a girl. <laughs> Let's not even think about that. <laughs> All right. Each week, I'm going to try to do something where we make a topic that might not have been asked in the uh, live feed and it also might have been or in the questions beforehand but this week opening remarks i want to have is panini one and one and i was discussing in some dms earlier today this set with someone and i was really just starting to get interested in the set overall i knew it came out i knew people were buying it selling it what the polls that they were getting the different sets and everything but uh, just right before we went live here i posted this to instagram asking people what are your thoughts on panini one and one basketball because for football they've had panini one for the past few years and it's it was pretty much one card per box, generally a patch autograph. I think it was always a patch autograph. But this year, they reconfigured the product for basketball, and it is two cards per box, and you get an autograph and a non-autograph, I believe. And the set is pretty darn hot. The downtown inserts that you see on the left there of Zion are extremely hot. That's the rookie. They actually put the rookie logo on them now, which is huge. And that card's going for around 6K right now. And then the John Morant non-autograph right there, numbered on 99, that is from the base set. And we're going to dig into this a little bit more in the next slide. But that card is $715. It is the base card in the set. It's numbered on 99. For my money, that's one of the best looking base card designs I've ever seen between Immaculate and NT as well. But the thing about NT and Immaculate is that they don't include rookies in their base set. It's just the veterans. So these have rookies too. They're, they're foily on top, which is huge. And they have awesome photography that fills up a lot of the image. And I love them. Um, and then we're going to check them out in the next slide too. Oh, in a second here. Because the Zion on the left is, in my opinion, the best Zion rookie released this entire year. Nate, is that not one of the coolest Zion rookie cards you've seen? Well, it's a great, great image. Yeah, it's it's so awesome. And, and the set, the design really lends itself to awesome photography and low numbered rookie cards too, because they're all out of 99. So that is really sweet. And if you look in the bottom left corner, that Zion, there have been none that have sold that I could find. Maybe there were some keyword uh, listing errors from people that maybe not be able to find any, find any that sold yet. But this one is at $1,350 with four days left on the bids. I did not include them on days left, but I believe it's four days left on the bids. It's at $1,350. And if you're wondering about the autographs from this set of Zion Williamson, the rookie patch autos, numbered out 99, 
They sell for around 900 to 1,000 right now. So this card is far exceeding the autographs from the set. I think that it's the best Zion rookie of the year. In my opinion, if you take just the design of it, I'm not talking about like gold Prisma at 10. I'm not talking about that stuff. Just based on the design, best Zion rookie of the year. The John Morant's really cool too. And those are around $700 as you saw on the last slide. And then the downtown inserts that they added this year, they used to be in Cornerstones. Before that, they were in Panini Studio. It's a massive insert for basketball. They brought it back this year. And I know in football, it's an optic. Nate and I had that discussion last week, actually. But if you're looking at the John Morant, now this is where I'm a little concerned. I will say this, of the prices out of the gate. Because the John Morant non-graded rookie downtown is selling around $3,000 right now. If you look at the Trey Young from Cornerstones in 2018, so last year, a 9.5 recently sold for 1220 From this year's one-and-one, non-rookie Trey Young non-graded sold for 900 bucks. And I know that that was about two weeks apart, but still, the prices are so high in these downtown inserts, it worries me that they might drop in the future, or that just means that the Trey Young is an insane buy. One of the two things. It means one of the two things there. Um, so I'd be careful if you're buying the singles out of this set, uh, maybe the downtown particularly. I know that they're amazing looking cards. They're definitely the chase cards in this set along with the timeless moment autographs, which we'll hit on right here. That is one of the best looking cards I've ever seen as well, that Vince Carter autograph on canvas. It is awesome. Number 99, sold for $1,700. And then that Zion Williams on the right. I wanted to show the two differences in the autographs. The Vince Carter on the left, the canvas autograph is on card, just amazing signature. Design on the right, and this really hurts the product. It, it does hurt it a lot, I'd say, that some of the rookie patch autographs are sticker autographs. This is not a product that should have sticker autographs on it, especially when you're including beauties like that Vince Carter. Um, that that hurts in some fashion, I'd say. I mean, that Zion, how is that different than any other rookie patch auto that's from a non-NT or immaculate set? It's really not that different. Uh, I'd for sure want a Noir patch autograph over that Zion RPA right there. But the it, timeless moments, the downtown and the base set, I think, make this set awesome. In terms of the b- box prices, so the last two sales was six eight, were 680 and 700 for a box. The sales on November 24th were, were around 475 to 500 So this product has obviously gained a lot of steam since it released. There's a lot of people chattering about these timeless moments autos. The the secondhand values are obviously unbelievable. Uh, Dennis Rodman's around 1200 and Dirk Nowitzki's around 3500 And then there's also parallels of these cards. Uh, there's red in, and I think a green of it. Uh, I know a Trey Young's like $1,800. And then these downtowns are huge for the set too, which is why the boxes have risen in price. And then I think the, the base set actually makes the entire set, to be honest, because we've seen downtown and other sets. Um, timeless moments is, is a new set, but... Um, we've seen, you know, good photography on card autos. I think the base set, number 99. I know that Giannis veteran, number 99, sold for $200 plus. And the photo is unreal. I should have included it in here. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should go look up Giannis 1-1 one one of 99 because it's an amazing card. Hey, and, you know, I, go ahead, Nate. No, keep going. Keep going. I'll add in at the end. You know, I'm pretty much wrapping up here. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know if this means that this set's going to be awesome long-term. I don't know if they're going to continue in the future. Um, but all I know is that Timeless Moments, Downtown, and the base set from this set are just unbelievable. And I've heard people say set of the year. I've heard people say that every single break that's getting listed of this is filling really quickly, selling out. So I wouldn't be surprised. And this is a Breaker's Paradise, paradise right here. Two cards per box. You don't have to handle a bunch of base cards. Um, it's really, really a product that breakers are a continuous snap up, I feel, and break for people. Yeah. Um, can you go back to the second slide? Yeah. 
Shout out to the person who chose the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies jersey as the uh, photo for this John Morant. Excellent. For sure. I Excellent agree. choice. I just, agree. Uh, just a really, really kind of cool, I don't know, just something I noticed and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think that a lot of what's going on here with the downtowns is that not many people know about Cornerstones because it was just really a set for the last two years and they didn't make it again this year. And now any set that like releases this year, all these inserts just automatically become like huge if they were cool in the past, but not that many people know about them. Um, the values there with the Trey Young from 2018 and some of that stuff kind of concerned me. And I see Ziggy coming in here. It says Breakers Nightmare skunked and skunked here, uh, meaning that some of these boxes yield nothing good, which I should say this. Uh, do not buy these boxes. Always expecting to hit Vince Carter Auto, Zion Auto, John Morant downtown. Uh, we got to remember that boxes like go both ways. Like You'll have huge boxes, and then you'll have many, many terrible boxes. So I'm sure that some of these boxes that come out have got like Carson Edwards patch autographs and uh, you know whoever else, rookie card, Kevin Porter Jr., rookie card from the base set. So I, I would not say like snap these things up to just break them at like insane rates because I don't want to lose a ton of money. But in I mean, terms of this sealed product, I mean, a lot of people hold sealed product and it gains in value, even if there are terrible boxes out there. Like you know, we've seen hoops blasters go up to 80 bucks. So <laughs> clearly, you know, sealed product sells. Yeah. Um, and with that, if you have any, do you have anything else to add to that? I was just going to say, it's like every, it's like every box. I watch guys at Brewtown rip, you know, uh, boxes of prism football for 200 some dollars last year, $300, whatever it was and hit $10 worth of cards inside. Right. And other mm -hmm. times they hit, um, you know, there's one box that had a, uh, it was an insert auto of Dwayne Haskins out of 10, a one of one, John Elway, John Elway insert. And, um, a Jarrett Stidham gold, I believe something like that. You know that's a ton of money. At the time, and on the other end sure. of the spectrum, you get so it's every it's the same way with every box. But this yeah. was a little bit worse because you're only getting two cards. Yeah, and I would I see a comment here from GT Black. I'd way rather have Panini keep this product and drop encased. I think encased product where that BGS grades the cards and you get some there like eight point fives in there. That's just kind of annoying. And Nate's about to pull out an encased card. I know that. Here, I'll make this screen bigger for people really quick. Yeah, look at Nate right there, Frank Mason and Case Auto. <laughs> hey, that's out of Trash. 25. Trash. G League MVP right there. Wish he got picked up by a team, but whatever. It's too bad. Is he off the Bucks now? I didn't track that. What I as far as I know, he he did not resign with the Bucks. So gotcha. All right. Well, that's the opening remarks. Uh, and now we will jump into the next questions. And if 54 viewers in here, if you guys can hit that like button. Get this video out to more people. Last week we had just about 200 viewers in here, and it was a really awesome time. So we'd appreciate getting this video out to more people to discuss sports cards. Moving on to the first question of the day from Negative Gaming, Wild Rift Negative Gaming. Uh, what a name there! Is the player's jersey a huge factor when it comes to the price of the card? Speaking about AD and LeBron cards fluctuating, and Prism and Select base and silvers um, are those the first ones to rise up? So. Just a really quick comparison here on two cards, one for LeBron, one for AD. So if you look at 2017 select Premier Silver PSA 10 of LeBron featured in the Cavs jersey there, $180 for the PSA 10. Jump to 2018, a set that's a year later, 
Uh, keep in mind, generally, as these sets progress down the line, the values of the cards drop for veterans. But if there's external factors here, like one's in a Cavs jersey for LeBron, the next is in a Lakers jersey, this Premier Silver PSA 10 for the 2018 Select sold for 267 combined with shipping. So that right there, and I would even argue that the Premier Silver PSA 10 would be worth more now because that sale I've showed there is from October 26th and the select 2017 sales from December 3rd. So clearly, Lakers playing into a huge effect there. And yes, I think if people are huge Lakers fans and they're like, man, LeBron's going to win another championship. I want to go get one of his first Lakers cards. They're not buying that 2017 select, which is exactly why I believe that this uh, Lakers one is worth a lot more. And then you can also see it with Anthony Davis cards. So the first one there is a 2018 Optic Hollow PSA 10. That was a buy it now of $100. I'm not sure if that card actually sells for $100 in auction. Uh, and of course, you know, it's hard to compare that to another buy it now too. But this 2019 Optic Hollow PSA 10, when Anthony Davis is in the Lakers jersey, sold for $150. So I do think that there's something to be said for people chasing, you know, Lakers jersey cards for LeBron and AD. I think that kind of plays into effect for other players as well. But I'd say these two would be the most drastic because they went to a huge market um, well, LeBron's market's always going to be huge no matter where he is. It doesn't matter. But at least for Anthony Davis, he went from New Orleans to the Lakers and, of course, won a championship. So it matters a ton. Matters, matters a lot. All right. Hey, uh, question over here on the side. Thoughts on grading one-on-one yeah. risk uh, breaking the sealed case versus PSA 10 upside? So not going to lie, I haven't held any any of these cards in hand. I, would, I, I know that, obviously, the RPAs are thick stock. I do not know if that base cards are thick stock. I'd imagine that they are thick stock based on how they look, the foil and everything. They would be more difficult to grade than maybe the downtown insert, which I would assume is on thin stock, like, you know, a, a base paper card or prism card. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot of upside in grading the thicker base cards. Now, PSA 10 is clearly going to be worth more than than case versions. So sure, do it if you know that you're going to get a PSA 10. I'm sure PSA 9 does have a lot of value because I'm sure a lot of these cards too are PSA eights, but keep in mind uh, they're, that they're, you they are eights even non RPAs. House of Cards oh. says, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I honestly I think that those thick base card rookies, if that Zion's a PSA ten numbered on ninety nine thick stock PSA ten, that's a huge card, massive card. I'd say do it if you think you got a good condition one, even the PSA nine. All right, we all know the market has exploded over the last six months with basketball specifically averaging four to 10 times prices price rises uh, depending on the card. If demand has increased exponentially, wouldn't producers like Panini increase supply to meet that new demand in the same way they did during the junk wax era, the 24 K plus Luca prisms on PSA were produced in 2018 before the boom, who is to say there won't be hundred K in next year's prism, meaning PSA graded cards because there's clearly a hundred thousand Lucas printed. And then if so, is it Junk Wax era 2.0? I think every other live stream we have some type of question down these lines. First off, I do not think it's going to be Junk Wax era 2.0 for a couple of reasons. Uh, the biggest being artificial scarcity from the products, uh, different products in production rather than a million cards of the same thing. Like, you know, there's a million Ken Griffey Jr. Up, upper decks out there. There's a million Donruss Ken Griffey Juniors out there. But there's a lot of artificial scarcity in different products being produced. And then social media plays an insanely big factor into the information sharing, the being educated, the understanding what card is a good buy, what card might not be a good buy. And then another big factor, I think, is that, sure, maybe base cards and silvers do get produced at like 
insane amounts, it just means that they'll be worth less, even to people right now. Like the values are just going to be lower right now if they produce a hundred thousand or more than that, but enough to have a hundred thousand graded by PSA of LaMelo Ball. Uh, the prices are just going to be lower because of that. And we've seen that each year how the prices of a comparable comparable player kind of go down every single time as you get the PSA 10 graded card. Because if you think about it, like if Devin Booker and Zion Williamson had the exact same PSA 10 population, uh, Zion would shatter Devin Booker's $1,300 valuation when Zion's like $700 right now. There's like 15K PSA 10s already. All the numbered cards, all the different ways to you know, produce scarcity and inserts and SSPs and case hits, all that stuff adds into why I don't believe we're in junk wax era 2.0. Nate, you agree with that? Any thoughts? Um, I guess my only concern, I think people are really smart about what they're buying and we try to, we try to, uh, you know, let people know what is smart to buy. But I do, I do concern Caesar says here, just too much product is my issue. And I would agree. Just just so much stuff. And you've seen it now. Panini 1-1, one one, clearly Donruss. And whatever the next thing they're going to make to try to uh, get value on Zion and Ja because this rookie class coming up is terrible. I mean, how many how many new products are they going to make so that they can keep getting yeah, money they, out They just came out with Hoops Premium, and I don't remember being that. I don't remember that being talked about for a while. You know, it wasn't like that that was planned for a long time. I wonder if they just like came up with that in the last three months or four months. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's interesting. Um, there, I think that what we're going to see is markets rise and markets fall based on how stuff gets produced, what products come out, what people are interested in. I think it's just going to be a constantly evolving thing. I don't think that it's like, there's, there's not going to be a moment of realization when, you go to a show and then you realize that every single person has a Ken Griffey Jr. And then you go to another show and then every person has a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie. You know, like, and then the next thing you know, the internet comes out and then you find out that there's like a million Ken Griffey Jr. rookies. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, the internet's out right now. There's so much information is being sailed or shared. Um, I don't think they were going to fall into something like that. And look at uh, Mr. Flores is uh, giving 10 bucks for, for Nate. <laughs> Oh my gosh, look at GT Black. Aaron, you're perfect in your own way. Got 20 bucks on donations for just us being here. Thank you guys a lot. We appreciate that. Um, uh, Aaron, not so much. Yes, correct. You better tell your girlfriend that you are, in fact, not cute. And uh, you've really been pulling the wool over her eyes. Jeez. So uh, as for OnlyFans, no. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. All right, moving on. I like to throw this one in because I think that there's a, a good amount of discussion for this to be had in the future too. Do you see the Pokemon graded market significantly dropping in the six to 12 months in the next six to 12 months due to more graded cards coming? The way I think about this, well, first off, I have on the screen just to explain October 26th, Blastoise first edition hollow PSA 8 was selling for 9K. Uh, now, November 30th, which was a month after, it's down to 5K. So clearly, that's almost a 50% drop. If you watched the video that I put out the the day after the Logic sale of 220k for Charizard, the YouTube stream of Logan Paul breaking the box uh, for everyone do, doing the $11,000 packs of the first edition box, I said specifically, right now is the time to sell your first edition PSA 10s or whatever PSA graded you have and your 
1999 base unlimited hollow PSA graded, all that stuff because of the simple fact of one, yes, many more cards are going to get graded. And two, because you always want to sell into hype. You always want to think about when is it talked about the most. And that was the most, I said in the video, the most I've ever seen Pokemon cards talked about in the last however many years. And, you know, now I have another thing to add in here. That's not me talking about that Pokemon cards are trash. I think a lot of you guys know if you're in here, I love Pokemon cards and I even have some stuff behind me displayed. The the only reason why I said that is because you want to make sure you capitalize on that market boom. The market went up so darn fast. That's just unsustainable going forward. Like to sustain one, the growth and two, the prices was nearly impossible. But what it did do is this. It brought in an incredible amount of new collectors and new buyers and new investors. And the prices now are still way higher than over the summer. So you get this ridiculous peak that just makes no sense. And clearly that's not going to sustain. So it goes down. But now you create this new level of a market. You create a lot of new people that enjoy it, a lot of new people that want to buy it, a lot of new people that want to collect it. And going forward now, we have this floor created to where there's actually opportunity to buy in if you're a collector. The opportunity was not much there, or investor, I should say. The opportunity was not really there buying up the peak, um, obviously. But now as it settles down, as people start to learn more about the sets, learn more about the PSA pop reports, learn more about other sets in existence other than just the base set, which is what everyone was buying for a good month straight. Um, there's so much more space to cover in Pokemon, so much more to learn, so much more to buy, so much more to sell, so much more to grade that uh, it's going to be really, really strong for the long-term health of Pokemon, I think. And I think there's going to be a ton of people that are going to get into it. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to stay in it. And I think anyone that already dropped out, dropped out. And uh, I'm not really worried about in six to 12 months, there's just going to be a, a significant drop. I think over the time, those six to 12 months, there's going to be a lot more demand coming in that will help offset those supply. Now, certain cards are going to get graded at insanely high rates. Sure, maybe there is a drop in price even more so from here. But I think that there's a good floor that was created. And with that, I want to tell you guys. So today, we created the Slapsox Pokemon Discord. And for those of you that use Discord, you know what this is. For those of you that do not, it is a chat community to where members join and talk about different things, at least in our server, about Pokemon and different sets and vintage and modern and even a buy-sell trade section. I have the link on the screen here that you guys can go to. I also have it in the caption that you can go to, to join right now. I put out a request on our Instagram page today. If people want to join an Instagram chat, let me know for Pokemon cards. I'd love to start to get close with some community community members. And that thing filled up in under an hour. There's over 30, there's actually like 40 some people that messaged me in under an hour. So I created a Discord that I've been sending everyone to that wants to join in. We already have almost 100 people in here uh, looking to build it further in the future too. And we have some big plans uh, to, to launch a Pokemon brand soon. I think you guys are all going to really enjoy uh, what we're doing. And we hope to see you guys there too and in the in the Discord right here. So if you're looking to learn more, uh, you don't even need to know anything right now. I implore you to join. There'll be lots more information sharing, lots more things to get involved in to, to start to build your Pokemon collection, possibly investment portfolio and and whatever else you want to do with it. I, we, we appreciate you guys you know, helping us out and joining that and seeing where it goes in the future. We're, we're really excited. Okay, there's there's like zero chance I'm reading this entire question. Dwayne, you're probably here. I really appreciate the question, but there's no way I'm going to read the entire question. Uh, Nate's not going to either because it'd take too long. But I did read this beforehand, so don't think that I didn't read it. Um, talking a lot about making low investments because Dwayne got into the hobby in March. And if you got into the hobby in March, you're going to be very well off. Um, a lot of basketball cards from March until now, 
are up like five to six to eight X as we saw in the previous questions that we had. And he's wondering if he should be selling these on the high right now, because if you've seen the basketball market is just unbelievable right now, we are going to surpass August peak. We are already have in some cards or in some, yeah, in some cases in cards surpassed August's peak. Um, Gary V just tweeted yesterday about how the, the sports car markets or the basketball car market is going to be huge this, this season again. And uh, there's going to be a lot of factors pushing into the fact that, you know, sports cars are going to be huge still. And he's just wondering, should I hold on to my stuff in two to five years? Will I find that these modern cards were way overpriced or um, like for Giannis and Trey and Ja, or should they be never have been worth more than Kobe tops rookies? And basically anyone that's in this situation um, that has, you know, actually, you know, really nice cards that they're investing in, it, it's a, it's two, twofold. And I think that maybe a lot of you have heard me talk about for the last couple of weeks, you know, what I do in the situation. I think one, it's based on your financial situation. I think if you're someone who, you know, is using this as a way to build up your capital or continue to progress your investing, progress your collection, progress your sports card business, you have to be, you know, willing to take profit along the way and understanding which cards are you making the most profit on, which cards are you okay with selling now, knowing that they might go through dips, they might go through more peaks, just like if people were selling into the August peak, you're probably like, holy crap, two months later, I'm so happy. Like when October hit, you're probably like, thank goodness I sold in October. These cards are worth like 40 or 40% less than what I sold at. But now you're probably like, oh my gosh, they're right back to where I sold at. Are they going to go higher? So there's constantly going to be changes in the marketplace. You can't always think about that, miss out on the profit, this and that. You just got to be happy with what you achieve. When you achieve it, if you're willing, if you want to sell then, and I would say, that there are going to be cards that people are going to be like, well, how did I not sell that? Because now this guy's irrelevant in the sport, irrelevant in the card market. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly which one of your cards you should be selling because that's up to you. Which ones do you value the most? Which ones do you enjoy the most? And whatnot, and which ones do you collect the most? But uh, I would say if it were me, I'd definitely be taking profit on some of these cards going into the season because you don't know what happens when the season comes. Someone might get hurt. Cards drop 50%. We saw that during the bubble too. If, if it were me and I had bought in extremely cheaply specifically with these guys Luca, Giannis, Trey, Ja um I would look at it from a, a standpoint of and I disappeared for a little bit so I don't know if you <laughs> brought this up uh but look at it from a standpoint of does this guy look like he's going to be a future hall of famer all-time great Giannis and Luca seem like they're on that trajectory for me so I would probably hold Trey and Ja at least right now just seem like they'd probably just be merely really, really nice point guards for the era, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of that, what weighs into that too is like, if they're not like Giannis and Luca, if they're not like future Hall of Fame guarantees, or at least what you think might be a guarantee, then there's more upside because they have more room to grow too. Like if they do grow into that, so to speak. So there's always like two sides to the to the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Also, key, key comment right here from Mike610, NYC, buy the rumor, sell the event. That can never be more true. Yep. Good one. Um, also, huge, huge conversation on the uh, in the chat on if uh, we are close to. Uh, uh, are you going to say anything? Why can't I come up with the word? You know, uh, junk wax era, right? Okay. So if you guys have any opinions on that, you know, jump into the chat add along because uh, there's a good conversation going. So that's all I got. This, Jordan Hudson says, if this live stream can get 100 likes, 
I'll donate a Joe Burrow absolute rookie number 158 for a Raz. I'm not sure. If, I think that means giveaway. If that's okay at the Slapsacks, guys, and they run the Raz, I'll cover shipping costs also. You heard it here. If we get to 100 likes live on this show, uh, Jordan Hudson will give away his uh, sorry, absolute rookie card of Joe Burrow. I do not know the best way to go about that, but we'll f- figure it out if we get to 100 likes. But you all have to keep me posted because I can't see that right now. I can also track it on my phone, though, later. Yeah, how do we find the likes? Just go on, on, the, on the. Do I have to go on YouTube specifically instead? Of yeah, but go. Yeah, go on your phone though, so you don't slow down your your stream. Yeah, makes sense. All right, track them as we go, and we'll figure out a way how to do it. But your question's up, so don't don't pull up just yet. Oh, okay, I won't do it just yet. <laughs> do you see Mike Trout ever ending up on the East Coast, Boston, Philly, kind of his hometown, um, or one of the New York teams? What will that do for his card values? I see them greatly improving if he goes to a major East Coast market, or do you think it doesn't matter much? I can see Steve Cohen making a move for Trout. So a lot to unpack here. Number one, yes, Philly is kind of his hometown. He grew up in southern New Jersey, and Philadelphia was the closest uh, uh, major city to him with the sports teams. He's a big Eagles fan. I'm sure he grew up as a big Phillies fan. Uh, So that part, not important to the question, but answered it anyways. Um, As for moving, number one, we have prices here, almost $2,500 for PSA 10 and almost $5,000 or 5,124 out of 8,715 total for PSA 10s there, just so you have the background numbers. Now, is he going to move? Well, here I have in the middle, and I realize I'm moving my mouse with it, but you guys can't see my mouse. So, uh, In the middle here, we have his contract, 2021 through 2030, and you'll notice he's owed $37,116,000 every single year um, for the rest of his career so to speak. I'm sure he'll get a little contract at the end to go into the 40s there. But um, up till 38, that takes a certain team. Steve Cohen is correct in, you know, he's got the money to be able to afford that type of contract. But you have to be able to afford that contract and give up like legit premium, premium prospects to get Mike Trout at this point. Um, And I don't know how many teams would be willing to both pay him his market rate of $37 million and give up, you know, probably a top you know, the Rays would have to give up like Wander Franco plus some others for the right to pay $37 million to Mike Trout. Uh, seems unlikely that that would happen, especially a uh, Rays are a bad example because they have no money anyways. But if Wander Franco was a Yankee, they'd have to give him up plus others for the right to pay Mike Trout $37 million. That seems unlikely. Um, as for his prices going up, if he moved east, I do think there is some plausibility to that because there's a lot of people who know Mike Trout's good. Aaron, I assume you know Mike Trout's good, but have you ever really watched Mike Trout play? Because he's in a West Coast game times. I'd probably say, like, uh, other than like Twitter and YouTube highlights, maybe like two games live ever. Yeah. Now, if he moved, because West Coast game times, you know, it's it's ten o'clock by the time a West Coast game starts in the East Coast. Uh, a lot of those people are in bed, getting up at for five o'clock for their game for their work the next day. So if he did move East Coast, say the Mets took on his salary, uh, I do think that would be a huge boost, even though he's in California and you think, oh, huge market. Um, the more eyes he gets on him, people understand he's good, but they don't really understand why he's good. Right. Got you for sure. I don't have anything else to add. Nate oh, also, one second. Uh, also, I appreciate you'll see this. Jeff in New Jersey from Jeff in New Jersey. Last week, I made a stupid comment about Jeff in Jersey. I was like, is he in a Jersey? Just stupid comment, right? And then he must have heard that because he changed it to in New Jersey. 
Um, now, uh, I did want to say a couple weeks ago, somebody put Dr. Toboggan in the uh, thing, and that is from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So for those of you that are having a little bit of fun with the names, uh, I appreciate that. So. Yeah, Nate goes through and uh, gets these initial questions in here, so I'm sure he uh, gets a chuckle from that. Brain up is Monday. Um, there was something that I was going to say. Oh, yeah, we're at like 40 likes. So if we get 60 more likes in this live stream, uh, Jordan Hudson is going to give away his Joe Burrow rookie card. And the way we're going to do that is after this live stream, if you just comment into the live that actually gets posted, that's the easiest way for us to track it. We'll leave the comments open for two days, and we'll pick a winner via that. And then, yeah, you can get a Joe Burrow rookie card. So next one up here, another baseball question. Well, actually, just a card question in general, too. Yeah, right? card question in general, uh, more so than a and then a rookie question. Why are good players damaged out of the pack, but the bench players are fine? The Vlad Jr. you mentioned last week, and I mentioned how I had six non-numbered Vlad Juniors, which you can see the PSA pop report down there. Um, I have seen lots of Zion, Burrow, et cetera, with awful corners, and the rest of the card's fine. Is the manufacturer doing this as a form of pop control? Now, I can't speak for the manufacturer, but I can probably speak for a little bit of your psyche in saying that you're probably super hyper aware, at least I know this happens to me, I'm hyper aware of the Vlagro Jr. conditions. And I'm hyper aware of, you know, the Tatises and the Eloys and the Lucas and the Giannis's and, um, you know, the Joe Burrows and, and Tua's and all those guys. Uh, so those are the cards I want to grade, so I'm really aware of it. Whereas, you know, David Fletcher for the Angels, because I was trying to find a rookie to pull up a poppy port of, there's only 15 cards graded of him, and he's uh, he's better than a bench guy, but you get my point. Uh, there's only 15 cards graded of him, and 12 of them are PSA 10s. But the reason that PSA 10 pop report is probably so high is because people are really, you know, just picking the excellent ones to send in. They are sure it's going to PSA 10. They're not sending in every one they get and just hoping they get a PSA 10 because it's a $200 card if it PSA 10s. They're sending it because they know it's going to PSA 10, and they probably like David Fletcher. So I think you're probably just uh, Tim Chuck uh, sports cards. I think you're probably just hyper aware of the good players um, and not as aware, not saying you're not aware, but you know, you get my point, right, Aaron? Yeah, I totally agree with you. There's nothing more for me to add because you said it right, but yo mama cards. Have you ever ripped a card? Nate, do you remember two years ago when we were at the Minnesota show and we were pulling out Addison Russell rookie cards from 2015 Tops Update, and we were slicing them in half live on Instagram. <laughs> I was, and then I I had a knife. I had a I had a knife in my pocket for some reason, so I was cutting them live on Instagram. And then a mom and a kid walked past, and she stared at me like I was the worst person in the world, and I instantly felt guilty. Oh, you shouldn't feel guilty. It's Addison Russell. <laughs> no, I understand it's Addison Russell. It's more of having a knife out, a yeah. little knife, but still. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. New to collecting basketball cards and don't have the money to buy PSA 10s of big name players. Say I want a Luca rookie prism. Do you think it's better to buy one raw to get graded or to get a PSA 9? A PSA 10 is on my price range, but I still want to own one. I 100% think you should buy a PSA 9. Uh, PSA 9s right now are around $600. And raw goes between 460 and 550, somewhere even maybe a little bit above, a little bit below, uh, based on if it's good condition, good centering or not. But in my opinion, there are so many Lucas out there, it's been graded. It's been two years since release now. I would not expect many to get tens at all, probably like none. So I would go nine, 
you're probably going to get like eights and sevens on the raws right now. And I would for sure go nine. Nate, I think that you might agree with me in that probably from our past discussions in the past. I, live streams. I, I'm definitely, I used to be a buy raw on grade, but nowadays what's the likelihood of a Luca having not been combed over? I think that there's definitely d- two different ways to, to understand it. Like, Right out of release, for sure, you can probably find cards to grade. You know, like they just got pulled, and not that many are graded yet. But after a 25,000 have been sent to PSA, also, there is nothing wrong with PSA nines, which is true. Been saying it forever that PSA nines are worth buying, even if you're, you know, budget investing, whatever, you can still make good ROI on them. It's happened time and time again for the past 10 months. Yeah. Hey, I have a question, something I thought of today. So say top series two came out last year and Luis Robert was the hot card and they're like 20, $25 a card. Yeah. Do you, this might not be the best idea, but if I had a bunch of money, what stops me from just buying since it just came out, just buying every single Luis Robert P or raw card out there, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, taking them. Finding out which ones are PSA 10s, setting them in, reselling the P- the ones that aren't PSA 10s, and you're probably getting 25 bucks, and you lose 10. percent So you lose, you know, you lose three bucks a card with all the fees combined. So your 25 dollars turns into 22 dollars. Um, you know, that's not that's not Wait, like you, you could, just you could just literally buy at release, buy them all, comb through them, and then resell the ones you didn't want to grade. You just verbally uh, spoke how people make thousands on the sports car market. <laughs> yeah, you know, something people I, do. Something people do high person, volume. Do. A poor person like me had never thought of just like buying them, like every single one possible, <laughs> and then just grading them and reselling the rest because I am very, I am very poor and can't afford that. All right, moving on. Nate, you want to read this one? Hey, guys. Love the show. Oh, usually I take those things out. I guess I was just trying to inflate my ego. Oh, no, no, no. You should you should keep that in. This guy's this, he's a nice guy. Jason in Dallas. We like Jason in Dallas. Jason in Dallas. Not, not Jeff in Jersey, but Jason in Dallas. Yeah. Hey, guys. Love the show. I know this is controversial, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on prepping cards for sending to send for grading. What is acceptable and what is not? I'm not talking about trimming the cards or recoloring edges. That obviously crosses the line. But what about waxing chrome cards? I've heard more and more people talking about this and even posting tutorials on it. Do the grading companies consider this altering a card? Thanks. I uh, Just to give a little insight on this, I don't really have like a whole lot to add on this because I know that, I mean, I've never done anything with waxing chrome cards and clearly I've never done anything with the previous trimming and recoloring edges. Big no-nos in the card market. Uh, But waxing chrome cards, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm the type of guy that's like, if you can take a microfiber, microfiber cloth to the surface, clean up some smudges, maybe clean up some dirt and some debris, you know, more power to you. I don't like the thought of waxing cards. I don't like the thought of taking wax that you'd put on like a car and putting on a surface of a card and then scrubbing it off. Like it just I don't, doesn't happen to me. I don't get it. But I mean, I know people do it. I, I can't. I don't know if it's considered altering cards or not. I don't think that PSA would be like, oh, there's a piece of wax in this or something. I'm going to mark it as altered. But um, I have no idea. I honestly don't even know how good it works. I'm assuming that you could also harm the card by doing that too. So, I mean, think about yeah. trying to touch like a $10,000 Mike Trout autograph with some wax. I know people have done that before. Pass. Yeah. 
exactly. I, just give me my eight or nine. I'll just be happy with that. <laughs> uh, and also, if you guys have thoughts on that in the chat, please give them because I know that some of you all probably have uh, good thoughts on that and opinions, but that's just my our thought on that. When submitting raw cards for grading, there's a lot of grading questions today. It's good stuff. Yeah. How does any how does any curvature affect the potential grade? I'm looking at buying a number of high profile pr raw prism cards. The corners and edges look good, but by looking at the photos, you can tell the card has some bend in it. Is this bad? So I try to go on eBay and find an example of this. I guess I could have went and dug around some boxes and found a card. But if you look at the back of this card, you can tell that that bottom right corner on that Luca is like visibly lower than the bottom left corner because there's some bend in the card so it's distorting the way that the card looks it's not a straight line across because it's not flat um it's kind of curved on the top side and then the back has got some bend so it's kind of a little off like that um but to me i and i guess also you know it could be a little tilted too that's another thing but in general talking about the curvature of cards. I've heard that that doesn't affect the PSA grade. If you're thinking about curvature of cards, I don't know who's collected baseball back in 2010, but 2010 Bowman Chrome has got one of the worst warp sets of all time. You open up those packs and they're like bent like an arch and then you take the cards out and then your Steven Strasburg is like freaking just a straight McDonald's arch at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you'll be fine. I don't think that a prism that has some curvature, some warp to it, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think they probably just slab it and boom, it's a straight card. You know, it's not like that that card is uh, damaged. It's not like it's creased. As long as it's not creased, it's fine. Um, if there's a little warp, it's it's not the end of the world. Put in a top loader, um, one that's pretty snug, I'd say, and then it should help strain it out too. 109 viewers and only 48 likes. Please hit the like button, everyone. That helps a lot. Um, would appreciate that a ton. It, it helps us get this channel out to more people, and you can possibly win a Joe, Joe Burrow absolute rookie card today. I got and this you. Was this was Alex in Australia, right there. You just like it? I like Where it. are we at? Forty-eight. Woo! Hey, close. All right. Tops partnered with Ben Baller this year for Tops Chrome Ben Baller edition. Could he? Could you see Tops or Panini partnering with other? Fashion designers say Gucci, who already uses MLB logos on clothes to incorporate their designs into cards. M NBA players are known for being fashion conscious in their pre and post game outfits. They could even potentially only offer the sites in Gucci store or the, the products in Gucci stores or with a Gucci purchase, which would introduce the hobby to another demographic. Um, I think it'd be cool. I mean, they are doing Ben Baller cards and stuff with, you know, uh, diamond jeweler and stuff. And on the right there, Shout out UW Madison because Vincent, or not Vincent, sorry, Virgil Abloh, who is the founder of Off White, graduated from UW Madison and created the Off White collabs with Nike and many other products that are super high end and sought after from uh, sneaker flippers and collectors and whatnot. But I think there could be some cool things done with cards uh, with other designers out there. And I do think that it is probably an untapped demographic people that would get into designer cards. I think we've already seen the start of a Ben Baller, but I think that uh, say say Gucci one more time. <laughs> Did I just say Gucci like a million times? There, I guess I read the question. Um, I don't know, Nate. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it feels it feels like it would really work with it. All it works with NBA. Clearly, we're seeing that it works yeah. with NBA. I just don't think it would take a special type of person um, like a Fernando Tatis Jr. to be able to pull something like this off. 
I think there's too many guys in the MLB that are very like rigid and conformed and like, I'm not going to go outside of my box or outside of my comfort zone to, uh, you know, bro, support. Bro, support. we ain't talking about players. We're talking about tops having Gucci design a cards that they release in their shops. Oh, luxury oh, item. oh, I thought it was like, I thought it was like, okay, not a combination of two. Not yeah. a combination of player worn stuff and no, 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 no. Well, that I'm sure that they could do that for NBA. That happened very easily. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, I was more thinking design cards, like how Ben Baller was doing Tops Project 2020 and the Chrome cards, which boxes, steel boxes are like 400 bucks. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be awesome to get more high end designers involved and to put out different sets in stores and whatnot. Be pretty cool to see. I think. I think a lot of people would come in then. Buy up those releases who are interested in shoes and whatever else. I guess it Granted, depends on your. I still guess it depends on like your clientele. Then NBA and people that are into NBA really like shoes, like fashion, that type of stuff. I feel like the people that like baseball are not really into fashion, so I feel like a, a Gucci uh, fashion line for baseball would fall flat. See, but I think that you're still missing the slight point that. This person's talking about getting these in the hands of a new demographic, a new group of people that don't even know about cards. Like, you know how people go nuts for off-weight Jordans? What if those people who go nuts for off-weight Jordans never collected shoes in the past, and then Virgil does a combo with Panini and does off-weight Prism, and they release it only via Virgil's distribution networks, and then those people start to buy Prism. Okay, and then they get into card market and they get into other things. Okay, I, 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 I get where you're going with this then. But it, I will say, I will say that just the the feel of it lends to basketball more than baseball. Yes, I'll agree. That's, with that's all I was trying to say. Yeah, but I do think that some people would not really care what it is if they think that they can make money on it. I think we've seen that before too. Yeah. All right, this one's going to be quick. Aaron, looking towards the Euro twenty twenty one, which teams have the best chance at winning? Which teams should we be keeping an eye on, and specifically which rookies? Thanks. So, I just put the box price here. Of the product currently uh, for four hundred and fifty dollars, it's actually one hundred and fifty dollars lower than Panini released it for because they released it way too high. Uh, pretty trash checklist. Not many rookies to to chase after in this product, and then they released it for six hundred bucks. Way too high. Um, really, really did people dirty there, I think. But this question Wait, will be answered. Panini? What Panini did people dirty? Are, are you are you saying that they've done that before? <laughs> what? Not Panini. Couldn't be Panini doing people dirty. You mean those $15 Al Harrington premium edition patch autos of Immaculate? What? <laughs> that doesn't sound like Panini I know. Not the not the cards that are all bent and warped in the first off the line uh, prison boxes. Could not be could not be Panini. No, I, I didn't think so either. But uh this question we'll answer it on Slapstocks FC show. I'm gonna bring on uh, my man Oren, who was on the first ever feature of a Slapstocks FC show. And I'm going to have him dissect the Euro 2021 for y'all who are really into soccer. It'll be a really good show. So if you're into soccer, for sure, check that one out. I uh, just don't have the knowledge at the moment or you know the time to, to pick apart this as much as it should be. I have a lot of 2018 cards, which I eventually want to grade. Is it better to wait until 2022 when PSA will likely lower the price for bulk submissions for 2018 cards? Or will they likely increase the price again, effectively offsetting whatever discount I get for 2018 moving from ultra modern to modern? Uh, first of all, I definitely think that the last part will probably happen. They'll probably offset the cost uh, from now until then. And then the second thing would be, I think everyone has experienced this who's been grading for the past year. It's better to send in cards now than wait another two months because that backlog only grows. 
Um, it's only going to take you longer to get your, get your cards back. If you have cards that are worth grading, send them in now. Don't even mess with waiting. That's well, what I have to say. You said waiting two months, but he's talking waiting years. Okay, ex- I'm trying to say it's even longer. Like that does even yeah, makes yeah, less yeah. sense. And, and also, also you run the risk of waiting on grading. I don't know who you have from 2018, but you know whatever player it is, you run the risk of him getting injured or pulling an Andrew Luck and retiring. And instead of capitalizing on that money now, uh, you waited too long and you lose it. Yeah. Uh, GV Sports Cards. Don't miss out on Ansu Fati's uh, first Chrome card Wednesday. Is that is Topps Chrome Champions League 2019 finally dropping? Because they pushed that thing back for eight months. So I haven't even been able to keep up with if it's actually coming out or not. Because they even released product info for 2020 Champions League Topps Chrome, which is skipping a set ahead. So And that's supposed to come out in February. So I'm a little confused on when this is even coming out. So if you can confirm that that's a Wednesday release, I'd appreciate that. I want to get a discussion going on Slapstacks FC tonight. Uh-huh. And, uh Look at Nate displaying the cool. comment right there. I had no idea we could do that, really, or what it what it would look like. I kind of saw it that picture before. and I clicked on it. Hey, oh, I'm going to make use of that. Yeah, definitely make use of that so people can uh, see the live chat right on the screen if they're watching it back. Hey, I like this quick. More niches in the market only help to sustain more success of the hobby, and I I, I agree with that. I was kind of not really seeing the point on the on the Gucci cards, but if it's a niche that somebody gets into um then their money's in the hobby even if it's in that niche and then eventually they might you know get out of that niche like i will buy i start buying baseball a long time ago and eventually it it spreads a little bit into football a little bit into the basketball not too much uh because i'm still a baseball guy through and through but uh you know that money goes out into other places randomly yeah it definitely happens i can attest to that i've been all over the place in the hobby just trying to learn as much as i can Nate flexing his computer skills. Nate's got the worst computer skills on the team. That's that's for sure. No question. No question about that. <laughs> if we look back at the cards of the two thousand, oh sorry, of the nineties, now we see that every year the most valuable cards are the greats, regardless if it was a rookie or not. Think Griffey, Jeter, and Jordan. Should we should we be focusing more on the greats? Maybe serial numbered cards for current years instead of the rookies. The past is littered with promising rookies whose cards are valuable at the time but don't hold long-term value. This is a really, really good question here, like extremely good. Because if we're thinking 10 years from now, would you rather have a Steph Curry Prism Silver from 2015 PSA 10 or Cam Reddish Prism Silver Rookie PSA 10? We don't even know if Cam Reddish is going to be relevant three years from now, regardless, 10 years from now. Steph Curry will for sure be relevant 10 years Can from I now. Can I say neither? Can I have okay. five hundred and fifty dollars no. in my pocket? No, you can't. Oh. Can I have a PS five? Oh my gosh, you're not getting a PS five for five hundred fifty bucks. Well, if I find it on if I find it on one of the best buy drops. <laughs> yeah, you're not finding that bots are. <laughs> but do you agree with me here that like this is an interesting question for the fact that like if we think ten years from now, that yeah, I agree. I agree. You're taking a a, a rookie of some sort of skill level compared to a you know, six year vet card and you're yeah. trying to decide which one is the better play. I would agree the curry, the curry silver from any random year is probably a better play than the Cam Reddish. I think they probably both go down in price. Um well pay hey, you you might not know but pop reports are really small in those 2015 Prism Silvers. Mm. <laughs> I, I know you're less in the basketball. But uh I just think in general like thinking about this and why things are priced the way that they are the cam reddish is being bought because people 
are wanting to make money in the next three months to a year to two, right? You know, people, I, I doubt that there are many people out there buying, paying $515 for Camrash saying, I'm going to hold this for 10 years because Camrash is going to be an all time great. You know, they're just not. And I bet, that's what I bet people saying that are probably going to flip it if it hits 750. Exactly. And that's why cards are valued the way that they are. I think that's another discussion that can come off of this. Like that's why Camrash is so expensive because people are looking to make money on them in the next one to two years versus Steph Curry. People can make money on Steph Curry in the next one to two years, but just limited on, you know, the one to two year front. If you take speculating out of the hobby, which this would be with Cam Reddish, it wouldn't be as hot of an industry. And that is very true because if you took speculating out and just bought the very good players, you'd have a million 99 cent cards or less. And then just a bunch of, or a few really, really expensive cards and there wouldn't be much money moving around and it wouldn't be a hot, you know, it wouldn't be a hot uh, hobby, but there would be a lot of cards for kids. Yeah, <laughs> true. There's you know pros and cons to everything like we always say, but yes, definitely speculating is adding a ton of value to the hobby for sure, and being able to actually make flips. I wonder. Sorry, that was a botch. I wrote in about 2017 optic, and then I was confusing some prices on the optic and prism. There's this was a huge comment, but basically it boils down to why is the 2019 optic pink hyper PSA 10 for John Morant less expensive than the blue velocity PSA 10? of John Morant because of the fact that blue velocity comes out of hanger packs and are three per hanger pack when pink hyper comes on mega boxes. And if you look at prism mega boxes and prism hanger packs, or I should say cello packs for the prism, the red, white, and blue are like the worst, um, the worst parallel to pull. And then the, it's kind of flipped around here. Oh, sorry. In prism, the mega boxes yield red ice cards or, possibly pink eyes. I think it goes back and forth between Target and Walmart. But right here, it's the flip side to where the blue velocity is valuable and the pink hyper is not. And I really think that this boils down more to what's the look of the card? What is the card? Versus where does it come out of? I don't think anyone cares that blue velocity comes out of a cello pack versus a mega box. Um, the blue velocity card, I think, is well known to be more, a better looking and more collectible card than the pink hyper. Just as in Prism, the ice parallels are known to be better looking and more collectible than the red, white, and blues, which funny enough, red, white, and blues have been around since 2013, but they just get a ton of hate. Um, I think the designs are whack some of the years. And also, I just don't think that they're that good looking of cards are that collectible too, which is kind of interesting to think. You know, sometimes you think that like, oh, red, red, white, and blue would be really collectible, but it's just not that much. But that's my thoughts here. I don't think that it has anything to do with new collectors not understanding the color schemes. I don't think that people actually say no to Prism, Red, White, and Blues because it comes out of a cello pack where you get three per cello pack. I don't think it really has anything to do with that. I think it just has even more so to do with, you know, what is the actual card. It does. It does match the jersey color almost, which I think is probably uh It probably helps the John Morant more too, but I'm assuming that this is applied to other cards as well, not just the John Morant, the... The blue yeah. velocity play, especially, yeah. And I know he asked John Rand specifically, which is why I put it up here. But just in general, yeah. All right, what is a better investment? What are the multipliers? So the multipliers are impossible to say because they vary so much player to player and set to set. But select courtside versus select concourse silver versus prison base PSA ten, and then it says select courtside and select concourse silver. But we already have that here. Um. So if you're looking at Luka Doncic, 
the courtside PSA 10s have gained insane value in the last eight months. Insane value. So has the prison-based rookie PSA 10s and the select concourse silvers. But these, like, a lot of value because the pops are so low. The supply is so low. People really value those, those courtside now. I think if you listen to the Slabstock podcast for the last two years, you know that we love select. We love courtsides. And courtsides are dominating the market now in terms of a base rookie card because it is a short print. There is very few of these are getting pulled out of boxes. I think it's two per box, and it's not just base. That's either silver. (laughs) I I really wish. I really wish. Wait, this hurts me because, Nate, you don't even understand this, but pink velocity is better than blue velocity. Oh, pink hyper is the one. about the optic pink. Okay. Pink, Pink hyper is the one that's worse. Than pink or blue velocity. Pink velocity is number 79. Uh, GT Black, you might need to put another $10 donation with uh, Aaron is pink velocity. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate that, Don. Uh, but back to the select debate. Uh, first off, select, concor- select concourse silver and select courtside PSA 10, much better than base PSA 10. Far and away better than PSA 10, as we see there with the price. But not everyone can spend 3600 to 6500 on sports cards. Uh, not everyone can even spend 1650 on sports cards. So it's hard to debate because then you have to start to think, am I buying four Luca-based P- PSA 10s or am I buying one uh, courtside PSA 10? If it's me, I'm probably going with the courtside PSA 10 because it's less than 200 pop, I think, right now still. They might be right around 200. Uh, GT Black, you messed up. I know I know at heart, though. I know at heart you're, you rep me and not Nate. I appreciate that. Uh, I can guarantee. I can guarantee that Sam from Sam Dunks cannot dunk, so he is but, not a Black Velocity. <laughs> I can also guarantee that Black Velocity is one of the coolest cards out there on the market. And I can Sam, also guarantee that Aaron from whatever your podcast name is, uh, Slab Stocks FC, uh, cannot shoot the ball as well as I can. So that's a bunch of garbage. Bunch of garbage. All right, Nate, do you want to talk about advanced stats in your uh, yeah, nerdy yeah, yeah, approach? Yeah. Um, so is advanced stats important for sports cards, mainly regarding basketball, but also football, research, et cetera, PER, uh, uh, BPM, PIM, PIPM, which is player impact plus minus, and uh, BPM is box plus minus, uh, et cetera. Um, I like PIMP just as a or PIPM as a as a side note. I like that because it paints Giannis as the like clear and away top player in the league, like by far. Like he had a nine, and the next closest was Kawhi with like a six and a half. So cool. Um, but uh, besides the point, I don't really. Sam would be able to speak better for basketball. I don't really care about advanced stats for football. Um, per se, I can kind of use the eye test to decide which quarterback is going to be doing well and which isn't. And it's done pretty well for me. Right. You know, I love Josh Allen and he blew up type of thing. Um, but for baseball, it's big and he didn't bring up baseball, but I brought, I chose the question because I wanted to bring up baseball in that in baseball, there was so many advanced stats and there's so many reasons why a guy is doing uh, poorly or doing really well. Um, and you can look at his advanced stats and say, oh, this is not sustainable. I'm not going to invest in this guy because his prices are really high. Uh, I'm going to wait for him to drop because there's no chance he carries a 400 uh, batting average balls in play into the next season, right? Uh, with like, um, 
uh, Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes was unbelievably hot. His prices went up a little bit, but he was just way too hot. No, not sustainable. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr. Not doing great. Decently fine 115 WRC+, plus, which is 15% better than league average. And you can look at his advanced stats or, you know, stats in general, and you can say, oh, look, okay, he grounds out way too much. If he could just start elevating the ball, he could really explode. And so then you start investing in him because you're like, I just believe that he could finally figure it out and prices go off. Um, so advanced stats in baseball, really important. I won't speak on them for basketball. Sam, like Sam would be able to talk about that better. For football, I just don't think they're very valuable. Thank you, Nate, for that breakdown. Also, Luke Green says, like this video. Yes, please like this video if you're enjoying it. 115 viewers here. If we get to 100 likes, Jordan Hudson is giving away a Joe Burrow absolute rookie card. So we'll see if we hit 100 likes uh, by the time the stream is done. Then you can drop a comment after the video is posted in the in the comments. But uh, that'll be kind of hard to track. So kind of an interesting giveaway. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Wait, this one, one I think. Yeah, yeah. This, this is very true. If we're talking about my favorite insert from Topps Products, it's Independence Day. Favorite parallel. Get that terminology favorite. right. What did I just say? Insert. Oh. <laughs> idiot he's an idiot <laughs> what chump yeah you do you love those especially 2018 right isn't 2018 your year yeah with the oh, stars that go yeah. out with, yeah. yeah you gotta get yourself in a, a soto someday when you're not a poor boy <laughs> well i'm poor and i feel like that's just gonna be always too expensive and out of my grasp but that's <laughs> we'll see maybe someday uh, you guys may have covered this in the past, so I apologize in advance for baseball. And we have covered this a little bit, but don't be sorry because there's so many topics to revisit in uh, sports cards. And we haven't really touched on this one a whole lot. But for baseball cards, is there any long-term value from an investment standpoint in collecting the non-tops or Bowman brands, Prism, Obsidian, Optic, and more? I really like the look of some of these cards, but I'm just concerned that they will not hold their value over the long term. Thank you. So Juan Soto, PSA 10, Optic Hollow, $210. Now, that does actually seem like quite a bit for a non-licensed, non-logo product from Panini for Juan Soto. But keep in mind, if this card was licensed and it was an Optical rookie PSA 10, and compare that to the um, NBA cards at Optical PSA 10s, that is really undervalued. But there's no logos, there's no team name, there's none of that, so it loses a huge market from buying that card. And that is also the reason why I say I would not buy these cards long-term uh, for for investing purposes collecting if you like the look of the cards if you really enjoy panini releases might be a way for you to go to get your hands on some cheap cards that have low pops and low supply because they don't make that much because not that much gets bought but i'm just kind of out on it fine bowman cards fine tops cards are valuable and hold value long term for sure in my opinion um i would agree i'm out on it too it's it's if if you like the team and you can't afford uh you know a, a bowman chrome auto then sure, go optic, go prism. But uh, for me, it's just not. I just, I, I really don't like. You look at this Juan Soto card, and there's no logo on the helmet, and it just looks cheesy. Yeah, and then you look at the next to his name. It says Washington because they can't put Nationals. This, this right here, Panini Baseball is bootleg. It literally, it looks like somebody took like a, a copy of Lord of the Rings and bootlegged it onto a uh, another DVD, and that's what they gave you, type of thing. Also, I will show Ziggy's comment. Ziggy is not wrong. Uh, well, running this giveaway, well, running this giveaway would be challenging. So I am secretly cheering for 99 likes by this video. 
<laughs> just kidding. I do want you guys to get a cool Joe Burrow rookie card in your hands, so I would figure it out for y'all. <laughs> with the explosion of the hobby this year worldwide, what can we ha- what can happen with the supply of product to the international community? Uh, Global sports car investor, I believe you're from Australia, so I appreciate another Australian throwing in a comment. I uh, just had a cool video with an Australian this other uh, the other day on Sunday for. It was also is a basketball and a soccer video, which is kind of cool. There's some basketball chatter in there. Garen, when are we going to take a trip down under? Oh man, that'd be awesome. One of these days. One of these days. Right, going to Cherry Collectibles. That'd be a really sweet shop tour. When would that not? That would be amazing. That would be in, amazing. The, in the coming years. That'd be really cool to do. But uh, in terms of this question, I would way rather Panini and Tops. I know this might not be the most cost-effective way to do it. It's definitely not. You know, their price per customer acquisition, all that stuff would be way higher. I'd way rather focus if they need to increase supply, how to increase supply and how to get supply and product in people's hands in the EU, in Australia, in Asia, and whatnot. Because the American market's doing extremely well. Um, there's so much supply, so many outlets to great PSA. All that stuff is very at hand right now. But there are a lot of difficulties. I've talked to people from the UK, Germany, Australia, a couple other places, uh, Philippines, etc. That I would love for the companies to find ways to find releases. Well, they just released UK. They did. They did the the releases specific to countries or putting certain amount of supply in new, in other countries and having a distribution be easy, getting their packs actually into stores. Because they don't do that. I know that retail is impossible to find for Americans here, but I'll tell you what, you couldn't even find it if you're a flipper in, in Australia. Um, some of this stuff, most like I mean, maybe in Australia you could, but I know in places like Spain you for sure can't. Uh, that's I've I've witnessed that myself. So I'd love for a way to to do that. That'd be cool. I think you might agree with me on that. I don't know if you do or don't. I um, I, I shouldn't I, guess for you, you should say for yourself. <laughs> I I think I think more so than just getting product out there is how can you combat international shipping prices to make it viable? You know, if you need to if you buy a car for card for twenty dollars and you need to make it to forty dollars to make five bucks off it after shipping and fees. See, but Nate, I think what we're missing here is because and I've taught this is what I've kind of gained from talking to people in these situations. So many of those people have to do it because the companies don't do anything to get the product initially in the people's hands or in those countries. So just the the buy and selling base is like smaller in the UK, smaller in Australia because there's just less product. I think if you increase product, increase getting into people's hands, they do their own buy and selling over, uh, abroad just between each other. Oh, yeah. I was talking to MP Sports Cards 1 for soccer and he's saying, yeah, I've done more UK transactions recently than I ever have. And like, because he's buying and selling in the country, you know, they're paying those low shipping costs. So then it's making those markets there as well. And I think that's really how this becomes a global aspect, uh, you know, a fully functional market in all parts of the world is by doing that. And in yeah. Australia, I know well, that. Uh, well, one issue with that is then, you know, you're going to see major cards that if you live in China or America or, you know, anywhere, uh, if you're just selling in your region, you'll never get your hands on a Zion one of one or, a, you know. Uh, yeah. Now, now I should say that Fletcher Black or something like that. People, you know? people should have options to buy abroad if you're willing to pay the extra shipping price. I think there's a way and I agree that, you know. You might not be able to get that card you need, but if there's a way to do some of both, then it would be you know ideal. But I know that's what I kind of said going into this question, like the cost of acquisition per customer and the logistics behind this is very difficult. And it's for sure like a long-term play, like, you know, like short-term if someone's like, oh, we can make more money by boosting all the supply and 
you know, around the world, like the logistics of that's very hard and costly. Uh, no one would say let's do that in the short term, but I think that long term that would build really well. All right. When investing in all-time greats that have multiple rookies, is it best to stick to the higher-end cards or are less talked about rookies good as well? For example, is it better to invest in one LeBron Topps Chrome Rookie PSA 10 or for about the same money, one LeBron Bowman Chrome Rookie PSA 10 and one Finest Rookie of 99 PSA 9? Does one investment offer higher long-term upside or are they equal? Generally, I actually want to say that a lot of this is quite equal because if you look back a year ago, two years ago, all these cards have just exploded. Now, maybe the Topps Chrome PSA 10s gained higher ROI by, by like 10 percentage points. So, yes, it's higher if you would have invested in the Topps Chrome. But like you're not hurting if you bought the Bowman Chrome and the Finance Rookie a year ago. Um, if you're making that decision today, I don't think you can go wrong as well. And I th know we talked about this two weeks ago. I think we had a question that – we were breaking down like a oh, one tops Chrome rookie PSA 10 or $12,000 worth of other LeBron rookie PS or PSA grade cards. And uh, we kind of just decided, I know Nate said, he's like, you know, I want that one thing, you know, I want that one that I can just like hinge myself on not and not think, Oh, I need to buy and sell all these other cards and worry is one going to gain demand and whatnot. You know that that one's always going to be in demand. And if that's your game, that's your game. Go for that. If you like to spread out your investments and give yourself flexibility, you can sell one, hold one then go with the two rookies. I think it just kind of, you know, it depends on uh, what you value in investing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and if I can explain myself a little bit, it's because sure. I'm extremely lazy. And <laughs> if you're lazy like me and not on top of your game of buying and selling all the time and tracking prices and well, I track prices because we do our eBay links. But, yeah. um, you know, if you're not on top of that game, then it's way easier to just buy one and sit on it. Yeah, it, it just comes down to like, what's your style? When it comes yeah. to investing. All right. A couple more slides here. Do you view select courtside PSA 10 rookie as long-term holds? So I know this isn't the exact card you asked for the select rookie PSA 10 because we covered that in the Luca one. Um, if you've checked out what these courtsides have done in the last couple months, they're gaining more ROI than pretty much any card in the marketplace at the moment. Um, the non-graded Sold on September 9th for 215 of Trey. The most recent one went for 600 on December 7th. And a silver courtside uh, short print PSA 9 sold for 33.50. And I don't know if how many of you were involved a year or so ago in cards, but I could probably bet that you could have bought that silver Trey non-graded for about $200 or so. And these cards are just gaining insane value fast because of their pop reports because of their supply um low supply amazing looking cards as we've said time and time again um i think long term yes these are going to be winners i think select is going to be one of the best sets to keep on being produced every year for basketball and i i'm not trying to talk short term here because you know there's a chance that there's peaks and valleys all the time in sports cards when something rises as fast like this tray here you know it could drop just as fast but in terms of the set, I think Select Courtside's a big long-term set for sure, based on pop report supply and how Question. the cards look, and this and the short amount of parallels in the set too. Question. Yep. So I had heard a rumor that maybe this will load up for me while I'm. Um, I'd heard a rumor that uh, Courtside regular and Courtside silvers are like the same print runs, or there's even That's a lower. Print run. I don't know if it's true, but no, it's totally, you, totally false. You can clearly see that the regular court side is still very expensive, right? Yeah. Why does it feel like 
Patrick Mahomes uh, field level or even any football. So we're looking uh, right here, November 25th, uh, Patrick Mahomes field level, non-graded, $935. But a PSA 10 is, you know, $26.50. I guess that's not as – what I'm trying to say is I feel like they should be more expensive compared to, like, basketball because Patrick Mahomes is cream of the crop. And you're looking at Luca's being six thousand five hundred dollars for a non-silver courtside PSA ten, but a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who is the top quarterback in the league, is twenty six fifty. Do you think football field levels are going to catch up to courtsides, or do you think just because it's football and not NBA, it will always be lower? I think football and NBA is a good just place to start but i think the biggest thing for me which why like you might be like oh that seems undervalued comparing it to basketball cards you gotta understand the prism dynamics in football back in 2017 there are not there are absolutely not 14,000 to 15,000 patrick mahomes psa 10 base rookie cards there's not there's like a couple thousand and my thinking is so many people will gravitate to that card with the lower pop versus the field level because it is select it's on prism but in basketball it just presents such a better opportunity because of the low pop compared to the prism based rookies for luca and if you don't know i made videos on in the past but the prism silvers for football were the base in 2017 and 2016 not anymore that's not the case anymore they are short prints now but um back then they were the base and the pop reports are quite low and hard to grade on guys like mahomes um, especially with the print defect that was on those cards. So in my mind, that's why that happens. Is there still room on select field levels in football? I'm sure that there is. And it, you know, it might pose a undervalued question on the Mahomes, but I just think that there's a, there's more upside in the basketball courtside market because of how different they are from the prison market. Yeah. Okay. Just a question. Good, qu- good posing. Good question to pose though. Um, I have a full set of 2012 Prism Basketball. I'm wondering, is it best to sell individual cards or the set as a whole? First of all, that's an awesome set. Congrats on that. Um, really cool that you have a set because it is valued at around $3,000 right now for a complete set of 2012 Prism. And I can guarantee you that those sets were less than $100 for a long, long time. And, well, they should have been less than $100, I assume, especially back in the, like 2012 and 2013. But if you think about how much is a PSA 10 Kawhi and how much is a PSA 10 Anthony Davis? If you're an investor and you have a complete set and those PSA 10s and you can get PSA 10s on those cards, you 100% should break up the set and grade them because between him or between Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, all these other guys, their PSA 10s are super expensive because Anthony Davis is like 1750 Kawhi is like 2800 or something. Damian Lillard is like 500 plus. Jimmy Butler was like 500 plus, probably like 350, 400 now. Bradley Beal, uh, there's a lot of guys. Clay Thompson. But if you're just like, a, hey, I just want my complete set. Like I like it as a complete set. Keep it as a complete set. Um, not graded. But if you're looking to make money on it, sell it. I, obviously, it says, is it best to sell the individual cards or the set? Um, that's, what I, that's what I'd say. If you're looking to gain the highest ROI, and if you have like PSA nine and PSA ten condition cards, if they're like eights, then keep it as a set. Yeah. Or 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 send them send every single card in to get graded. <laughs> we talked about that last week. What if someone just had like a 2018 tops update PSA ten complete set, and then and then <laughs> PSA sevens, PSA sixes, PSA tens. I don't. Do you think how many sets do you think could be complete, no matter the grade, PSA? 
of 2018 update. That would mean that every single card at least has to have one PSA graded card, no matter the grade. How many do you think get, are, are in existence to be complete? Like, do you think that there's even people one? People actually have it? I don't think anybody has that. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying even possible to have it because they're in the pop report. Do you even think that there can be one complete PSA graded 2018 update set? That'd mean that like Michael Fulmer needs to have a PSA graded card in 2018 update or something. Oh, I see. Like right now. Yeah. If I wanted to put it together without grading any cards myself, could I do it? Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it. Somebody would be grading a Joe Blow relief pitcher that pitched, you know, 20 innings for the Tigers. Yeah. Nobody it, would just do that. A, just an interesting thought. But I do. I, I, I think that's a life goal now. Get one of my favorite sets and just PSA grade every card. Try to find a set that has like 100 or less cards. <laughs> that help. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right well i guess we're wrapping up here on uh, good timing as well and thank you everyone for joining thank you everyone for hitting that like button we did not hit the 100 likes so jordan hudson come back next week so we can try to give away your uh joe burrow absolute rookie card again and i see cleveland brown was asking a lot here i missed it the last couple of times do you have any hockey at all i actually do have some hockey i have some jets cards uh from my time with trees collectibles i joined some of his breaks and training some cards and uh he had some cool ones for my PC, and I also have a Mike Madonna 1998 Bowman's Best Atomic Refractor PSA 10 numbered out of 100. Yeah, Nate. Fun fact. There was one time Aaron, busy, couldn't get into the break, always bought Winnipeg Jets, and I noticed that he wasn't in it yet for Trees' hockey break, so I jumped on. I messaged Trees. I said, Trees, give me the Winnipeg Jets. I go to work. I log into his break. Aaron's making fun of me. They're through like seven of the eight boxes. They have not hit any Winnipeg Jets cards at all. I'm like, well, that was a waste of 20 bucks or whatever. And then the last box, dual auto sign of the times of two Winnipeg Jets players I'd never heard of in my entire life. And Aaron was so angry. It was the funniest thing in the history of the world. It was a silver ink dual auto of uh, Patrick Laine and uh, Mark Sheffley. I think I said that right. But uh, number yeah, nine, that was like the only hockey card I've ever owned. And then I, I traded Nate's a uh, couple of baseball cards. I remember you sold immediately because they were like, who is that guy? Who is that Cardinals guy? Is it Blue Refractor Auto oh. Cabrera or something? Or I'll never remember at this point. Ed, Eduardo something? I don't know. <laughs> I remember his cards were going for insane values out of release, though. But, yeah, that was, that was the story. It's funny stuff. Uh, and, yes, I actually did pull a Bobby Orr Auto number five also on my, my birthday last or last year oh, that's true. Five. yeah that was one of my biggest hits uh, that's super awesome out of uh ice that was really cool but uh with that done for this week another monday youtube live show wrapped with up that, thank you all <laughs> poop from poop. yo mama cards um great show again nate thanks for joining me these are always the best uh definitely the most fun live show we do i'd say and also the best discussion we get some really good discussion here thanks to you guys that, that chat goes crazy yeah, not only do not only do we get good discussion with what people send us in beforehand, but we get good discussion on the side. And there was really good discussion on if we thought it was junk wax era in the comments. So even if you don't want to listen to us, you can still come in here and join the chat and tune Aaron and I out and just carry on a conversation with like-minded card collectors. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's up area. It looks like it's pointing at you right now. This guy said poop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then also Jordan Hudson says next week he'll throw in a Tua so make sure you come back next week and get this video to 100 likes and let's get more people in this live chat we really appreciate it to those of you that donated some uh, super chats today we really appreciate that 
And uh, Yo Mama says, sorry, I meant Carson Wentz. Well, they are one and the same right now. Poop and Carson Wentz. Oh, <laughs> so bad. All right. Thank you, everyone. Ziggy, thanks for the healthy wishes. And to you guys all, too, stay healthy and keep collecting sports cards and keep that passion going. We really appreciate it. And we will see you guys next week. See you guys.